Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk man. I back it up. And we are talk full of that, man. right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold sets up. If you're going to blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with this week's show, where we wrap up the spring game. Gentlemen, spring football's over already. It snuck up on us. Now Seemed like gone. got through it real quick. It's like your youth. That's how the spring football <laughs> season is. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, you take it for granted. It's here right there real quick. And then, boom, before you know it. Boom, premature evaporation. Yeah, but I wish I got young again every year <laughs> when football season came. Like, that's the like one. Like Benjamin different. Button. Yeah. Like football season. I think football season does make us young again to a certain extent. Now, we're going to feel really good when we talk about spring ball, talk about the spring game, and I've got an interesting quote for you guys when we lead off the discussion here in a second. But let me bring in the rest of the team. I am Jeff Howe. going to be taking you through this adventure. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, Matt Butler. Matt, you did not watch the spring game. You were doing NBA playoffs and – Tiger Woods. Woods on Saturday. Yes, yes. I think yes. everybody by Sunday. I think everybody was locked into that. A man who I'm sure we, Rod, you and I have talked about this. The golf nap is probably the best nap you can take. It's a great nap, especially awesome that that nap. Masters nap on like the mm. Masters Saturday. Yeah, especially with the way the weather was this this year. Weather beautiful. Yeah, like the, that Masters subtle, nap the, is the money. very discreet tones. Yes, subtle tones there, and then the Masters music, mm. of course. Like, Jim Nance and Vern Lundquist just kind of rocking. Old Vern. Uh, but he lo- he likes golf. He likes Tiger Woods because he-, he is the Renaissance man, not just here on the Blitz, but on the Austin Radio Network and the Horn. 1049-1019 AM twelve sixty streaming on the Horn app and on hornfm.com where you can get him each and every weekday on the Rodcast from one to three lifetime Longhorn two thousand two UT All American two thousand two semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award fourth round draft choice of the New York Giants in two thousand three spent his NFL career with the Giants Lions Bears Bucks Broncos and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL when he was done with football got himself back to Austin Texas and the Forty Acres where he earned his degree whenever he gets that T ring back in his possession. He will wear it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member, a black card member of DBU, number 21 in your program, but number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Thanks for the intro, brother. And, guys, let's start the spring game discussion with this. Uh, I saw a lot of buzz on Twitter, you know, Aggies and Sooners kind of needling Texas fans. Oh, yeah, your coach making excuses about the wind and your spring game was trash. Uh, Can I read you guys a quote to get us started off? Mm -hmm. Um, the quote, it was challenging. It was similar to the Kansas game last year in that when you're into the wind, there's parts of the field that are just off limits because you can't throw it into the, that far into the wind. Downwind can actually be more challenging at times. Would you like to know who said that, Rod? Who did? How about Lincoln Riley after OU spring game last year when it was a 10-9 game and he used the wind as a factor as to why things were <laughs> off the rails? Yeah, Kyler Murley's no good. I like that. Yeah. I like that. That's so... Really 
don't worry about the win. Don't worry about the yeah. fact that big plays weren't completed down the field, or as Tom Herman said, it's hard to throw. But that win, I'll tell you this: I that was, was some crazy win. Dude. I went to, I was in love. My notes away in the pregame. Gusty. Yes, Rod's did, notes were scattered all over Bevo Boulevard. Yeah, like I littered all over the West <laughs> Campus. Of I, I hate being the crazy person, like <laughs> just chasing They're eight everywhere. pieces of paper and people are looking no, 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 at the, you. No, I've the, done the, it. The, the note. I know exactly where you're coming from, up, bro. Like, I, and I was there. I was like hugging, hanging out with fans, and it opened up. And I swear, I probably had. Maybe twenty plus pieces of paper in there. Yeah, gone in the wind. I had some very loyal fans bring some of them back, but for the most part, gone. That's very nice of them. Yeah, and I had I had like a paperweight on it. I had literally a weight on it. it they had <laughs> weights up there. Yeah, like little weights. Yeah, like five pound weights, two pound weights, ten pound weights. No, no. it the, the wind lifted the the, yeah. the weights. Weight. That's heavy. I guess dude. how crazy it was, it, was. it was that bad. I was yeah. at the game in Lubbock in uh, November, and this wind was way worse than that was. Yeah, and I'm telling you, it was crazy. I had a Longhorn fan who said he had been going to Longhorn games for uh, 15, 20 years, and he had never had it was bad. A, had a win had win that bad while he was at DKR watching any game. By the way, Rod, uh, really the good the good Samaritans helping pick up your notes. Shout out to uh, Evan Allison at Evan Allison fifty four on Twitter. He's a big supporter. of The Blitz came by yes. and said hi. Shout so, out. Yes. Yes. Um, but so the win was a factor in the spring game. It was a 12-6 win for the Orange team, if you care about such matters, which everybody probably forgot about that score the next morning. <laughs> but, Rod, this is why I'm glad you're a part of this show. And for the fans, it's a real treat because, as I said, you're a black card member of DBU. When you, when you, win, when you get All-American honors, you get that black card. I appreciate that. And uh, I think, to me, that was kind of the story of the spring game. One of the reasons why the offense wasn't able to get a lot of explosive plays is – I thought the secondary did a really good job stopping the ball in the open field. We saw Jalen Green have some big plays. B.J. Foster had some big hits. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rod, I think that's really where you start is just the fact that, yeah, the offense struggled because of the win, but even when they did complete passes, when they did get some things going, that defense, specifically the secondary, really did a good job of shutting it down. Yeah, I, you know, and I, this is something that I was really surprised that you're talking about guys like what Chris Brown and – you know what I mean? Like Kobe Boyce, you know, playing really well. And these are guys who we assume not will be buried on the depth chart, but certainly not the guys who are going to be the heavy contributors for you and not the guys who are getting most of the starting time. This is just, as you always point out, I love the term, the talented depth. So if you can get to the point now where, you know, the the, the guys that, you know, and I, I'm not disrespecting Chris Brown. I just don't. I think that right. safety position is so deep. I don't know how much playing time he's actually going to get, but in case there's an injury – knock on wood, or in case Todd Orlando, which I, I, I suggest, and I will get into the X's and O's a little bit later on in terms of what we saw in the spring game, he should play more safeties. Either way, man, that that is a really, really, um, to, to me, that's a really good reason to be optimistic about the defense, even though they had historic losses. I mean, no defense that I can track going back to 1990 has had more losses on defense than this Texas defense had after losing what 233 combined starts and eight starters but if you can have your second third string guys looking that good mm-hmm. up against the first string offense and I know the offense was missing some guys too no Colin Johnson there and I understand that but man I I honestly I was I was blown away they to me they exceeded expectations I know they're going to be really good once they get their you know their two best players back regularly and their two safeties and you know and they start having some more you know uh, health uh, in terms of on, on the defense side of the ball once they more you see more guys and more guys are able to have some longevity there. But man, right now I gotta say I'm pleasantly I'm yeah. pleasantly surprised. To your point about the depth, 
think about the secondary you saw on Saturday, and that's no Brandon Jones, no Caden Stearns, no Anthony Cook. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, I think the two best players on defense in Caden Stearns, arguably, and Brandon Jones. Not, and I think Malcolm Roach can be in that discussion too, but, I mean, not having those two guys and still being able to have a really, really good performance versus the first-team offense – to me, answered all the questions that I, I needed answered on defense. Yeah, I think they're going to be just fine. When you looked at the individual players on defense, you just, I mean, preview, I guess you always think back to other spring games and then look at this spring game. This spring game, these players seemed as if they were ready to play. Like, they looked as if they were playing with confidence. And there yeah. was, like, Jalen Green and B.J. Foster at the beginning looked really good. But, like, when you start talking about names like that, that you add in and either in a new position right now, and then they look comfortable, and then physically they look like they fit the part, and then they go out there and perform. So it just makes you feel good that, all right, well, we're, if, when you get your better players back, you can sort of start to hope that your defense, if everybody performs at expectation, it can make you be as good as your star players are. And when Texas adds those in, hopefully it looks something like last year's defense. Rod, we talked about this a little bit, but I want to go kind of deeper into the woods on it. You know, we, we talk about the safety position, and we know how deep it is, and we know – you know, in the Big 12, you're running nickel, what, probably 90% of the time? Yeah, I mean, some people... Somewhere were, around there? Yeah, uh, I would think you'd be conservatively, you'd say 75% okay. of the time, but... I, I was going to say conservatively you. 85, but okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's the Big 12, so I think it's a little different. I like mean, Outside of K-State and a couple of matchups, that's your 85%. LSU this year, yeah, mm -hmm. you'll probably be a nickel most of the game. But yeah. the bottom line is, you know, in the Big 12 in this league, at least how it's been with the air raid influence, now that the air raid influence is leaving, we'll see how much that changes. But you've been it's been a league where defensively it's a spread. you're it's a spread league. more often than not, 90 95% of the game, you're in some form of sub package, either nickel or dime or whatever. Yeah. Um, and we know, like, what, is, what the Chargers call their deal? Like the quarter, their quarters package? They call it the quarters package, yeah. Seven, seven defensive mm -hmm. backs. We'll see if anybody has it. Todd Orlando could actually do that with the personnel he has. But it, it, we're not talking about nickels or safeties or even that joker position where it's a hybrid deal. I'm talking about strictly corner. Okay. How far can talent get you at corner in today's game? Because I think other than running back, like what running back is to offense, we talk about this all the time, that's the one position on offense where – you can usually tell pretty quick if a guy's got it or not yeah. because it's more on instincts. Mm -hmm. I think, to me, corner is one of those positions on defense where more often than not, you can tell pretty early if a guy – like, usually corners, a guy doesn't get to his junior or senior year, then all of a sudden, oh, wow, he's a great player. Usually when that guy's a freshman, you can tell yeah. he's going to be pretty good. Yeah. So how far can talent get you at corner? And Not, not to say that Jalen Green or Anthony Cook or Deshaun Jameson, they don't need to put in the film work, but, I mean, how good can these corners be just getting by on talent alone? Um, actually, talent can take you pretty far at corner. Okay, you can have. I mean, you can have bad technique. I mean, you'll watch Chris Boyd in the draft this year, yeah. uh, and talent can take you pretty far. I mean, that's really one of the positions where if you don't run a certain forty or you don't have a certain short area quickness, you can. You know, I think you can pretty much el eliminate a lot of contenders to play at the highest level at that position. Mm -hmm. So. You're looking at Jalen Green and Anthony Cook, and I know you've raved about Jalen Green, and I've seen a lot of Anthony Cook just coming from, you know, my old stomping grounds at Houston Lamar. Both of those guys are elite athletes. And you saw Jalen Green just as a physical specimen out there. <laughs> He's knocking around guys mm -hmm. like Malcolm Epps and knocking around Jordan Whittington. I mean, that, that, that guy has an NFL <laughs> body, looks right. like already. Mm -hmm. And so I'm with you. I, I think that it gives you a significant advantage. If you learn, end up having two lockdown corners, 
man, the things you can do on defense when you don't have to allocate resources to help your corners. You can say, man, y'all guys are in zero coverage. Just man up. And then you can basically zone the rest of that's, you know the the receivers. That's I, I mean that's what I think text that's what I think Tarlando wants to go to. I think ideally he wants to be able to go you know hey because he can get lockdown quarters. Yeah, to Texas. I got two lockdown guys, and then you can zone the inside of the field. It's kind of a man zone concept, but I can play I can play inside out on on that on that you know that slot receiver on the inside tight end. If you're going to have a mismatch with a linebacker, I can give him more safety help. There are just different things you can do. I think that's where the game is going, which I think makes the lockdown corner, you'll even see at the NFL level, even more valuable. Yeah. You get a guy that can just lock down on the outside. Yeah, man. It's still, to me, I don't think it'll ever lose value. With the passing game going where it is, you can argue they're more valuable than ever. Yeah, because now, because it's always a numbers game when you look at the way offenses are attacking, trying to get a mismatch. So now if we're talking about that numbers game, okay, well, we're going to counter this and we're going to just totally alienate your best two options on offense with hour one so now hour nine is against your eight unless you have a running quarterback and at that point wherever your weakness is that's where you can shade like say they like the mismatch at tight end or at running back or whatever now you've condensed the field you have more bodies the number advantage and then you can work it around whatever you want to where just having that luxury that's something Todd Orlando didn't have at say UConn or at these other schools that he had been at if you can go to Texas and start to recruit those type of pieces you can literally just make your options just as immense as you want whenever you had that is one more to add in to neutralize, like, say, your biggest outside threat. Yeah. Now, you can you can develop it, too. I'm not saying you can't because they went to U of H. Was it William Jackson? That's the yeah. corner mm-hmm. thing about? Yeah. Ended up being the first-round pick. So you can develop that kind of talent, too. I think Texas does have really good coaches uh, that can develop that talent, especially on the defense side of the ball. But ideally, you want a guy that with an NFL body that looks like an NFL player, that looks like a lockdown corner. I mean, that's what Houghton Hill was, except Houghton Hill obviously had his own issues. Um, and Chris Boyd still got that. He still got that. That's the guys he inherited. But even the guys he's recruiting, you still see, you know, there's even with Charlie, we knew Charlie, he had a vision on defense, maybe not really an effective vision on offense. But you can see that that's still that corner, that blueprint of a mm-hmm. corner, it's, it, it's pretty transcendent. You know what I mean? Like, well, it, like I you said, everybody, the everybody's looking for that kind of corner. You just only Texas and Bama and Clemson and Ohio State and a few guys can actually afford to do that. But when a Kansas does it with a Chris Harris or, or a Keith Tlaib, it's like, holy hell, what the hell? You know what I mean? So you can still do it. Those diamonds in the rough, it's, it's different, yeah. though. Because like exactly. you need to either have uh, one trait, LSU, one of course, skill. does it really well, too. Yeah. If you have one diminished skill or, say, just qualifying will drop you down to go to one of those yeah. lesser schools. But like you said, that baseline of speed, quickness, ranginess, and athleticism you can't coach those things and then if you marry that with being a technician and having the football IQ and understanding your scheme and your defense that's when you marry together and get a Jalen Ramsey or something like that like very rarely do you get those together exactly Rod I don't want to sound like I'm demeaning the position that you are all American honors at or that you cash checks playing in the NFL at so I don't want to sound like I'm demeaning the position but We've talked about, you know, you mentioned Chris Harrison, Akeem Tlaib, and that was kind of around the time we saw the corner position really change in terms of, you know, Richard mm-hmm. Sherman gets drafted and converted to full-time corner. We saw it change kind of how that position is played. Yeah. And we've talked about just how – and I saw – I think Quandre had something on Twitter a, a week or two ago, just how the backpedal is really overrated because nobody does it anymore. Yeah. And the tools that scouts used to use to evaluate corners 
have really gone by the wayside. And I, I just want to know, because Texas has these guys. If so, can you boil good corner play down in today's game to this? If you can be an elite press cover corner, either with your technique or your athleticism and or both, and you can be physical enough to fight off a block and make a play one-on-one in space, if you can do those two things at, at, a, at a, a plus level, at an elite level, then you can be an elite corner. Yeah, I mean, that depends on what the system is that you're playing into and what they're asking you. If we're going with Todd Orlando, which I'm I'm with you, I I think he wants— What what are they asking the corners to do? Because remember in the Super Bowl when you have um, (laughs) where the the, the corner ends up coming from the other side of the field, Mm -hmm. the McCourty brother ends up coming from the other side of the field in zone coverage because they're in thirds— and the safety ends up taking the underneath route, but he has no help. He has, oh, sorry, no help, but he has no work. So he says, okay, I got to look for work, and he continues to sink deeper and deeper. Um, you know what I mean? Like, that's football IQ, and that's also somebody understanding route combinations and route concepts and where he stands within the defense. Are you asking guys to do stuff like that? Because if you are, then – it's more than just what you brought up. Yeah, okay. that's where you have the you know chemistry I mean? of your twin brother yeah, in the same yeah, defensive exactly. backfield. Like, you know what I mean? takes, like then. Well, the well, idea of a uh, offensive line is five individuals working as a unit. It's the same theory with the DBs. Y'all are working together, but it's different. It could be because it, the, not everybody does that. Though. Yeah, well, like when I played, we didn't ask some guys to work as a unit. It was a lot of man coverage. You're playing a lot of man coverage. So we exactly to what you're saying it's, right it's now. Me. It's me, and then I know as long as I know where my help is, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll know what leverage to play. So it's like I said, that's more of what you're talking about. That's that's less me depending so on the scheme. the scheme. Yeah, it's all about the scheme that you're in in terms of how you want to play. And I think you, you, know what I mean? you said it earlier. I think that's where Todd Orlando wants to get to, where if he's got two guys. We saw the 17 defense, you said it with Holton Hill, and he trusted Chris Boyd. Yeah. Off. We saw Chris Boyd that's get what better as the year went on. Ideally. I think he wants just two Dobermans on the outside that he could say, hey, look, you you guys go lock down I'm out, not gonna outside the numbers into the sidelines. Yeah. You guys go lock it down and – We'll just play games with these safeties and nickels and linebackers and, every, and That's how everything luxury, we got though. in the middle of the field. Right. Everybody does not have the ability to do that. Like 10 schools in the country that can say, all right, we probably can always have two legit lockdown corners on the outside, at least adequately enough. And This then, just happens to be one of them. Yeah, and this just happens to be one of those well, schools. So I agree. I think that's where I, that's where I think he's going. Same thing on offense with Tom Herman. You know, there he didn't have the luxury of being able to recruit Brew McCoys and having Malcolm Epps and all those guys on the outside. So now I think his philosophy on his pro spread is going to change. Just like Todd Orlando, he's going to go, okay, we know what? If I can have two lockdown corners on the outside and always get a really good D tackle year in and year out that can demand a double team, well, hell, it makes my job a whole lot easier. So I think you'll mm-hmm. see Todd Orlando's scheme change because back in the day when he was at UConn, Florida International, and Couldn't Utah State, that. He, yeah, he didn't have that luxury. It was so like the Saints when they got had had fail safes built it built within it mm-hmm. because hell, I don't have access to elite D linemen. I don't have lockdown corners. So you had to have a have different that? scheme. You know, I think that's why his scheme, even though he does, like he lost a lot of experience, his scheme evolving with the talent at upgrades, and even though they don't have the experience, I think that's going to end up with a really good defense this year despite the historic losses. And when you, you know look, I mean? it just reminds me of how differently the Saints defense looked once they drafted Marshawn Lattimore two years ago at 11th overall and finally had a lockdown corner. And yeah. then you look at how different they are just because it literally changed everything. And it isn't as if their pass rush got better. It's because the corner's doing his jo- job that the pass rush has a couple seconds longer to get home to the quarterback in those situations where you can see just a few 
key skill players on a defense can change sort of the entire composition of the defense oh, no because you're being at you can basically trust some guy so you then you exactly. can basically bring risk somewhere else give less responsibility to other guys more responsibility look at the Cowboys Cowboys mm-hmm. like that once they figured out yep. uh, that Leighton Van Der Esch could play and they had Byron Jones like oh he's a lockdown corner mm-hmm. well, and that, that came because what they brought in Chris Richard mm-hmm. who actually brought out the lockdown corner in Byron Jones a guy who most people like uh we're done with him. We're moving on. Like, no, 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 you can't move on now. He's considered one of the best corners in the league. And then you find out LVE is one of the best young linebackers, and you go, okay, okay, I know what we can do. And they end up as a top-five defense. And then a healthy Jalen Smith. Helped and a healthy Jalen Smith. Like, so to Matt's point, two, two or three guys hmm. changed the entire landscape of that defense and made it elite when last year it was what? Average to you know top ten, it wasn't elite. And that's now why it's elite. And the same thing can happen, I think, on any defense depending on – uh, who's calling the plays and what kind of philosophy? And we saw it here in Texas last year because we were all wondering what would happen after the you know first season with Herman in Orlando, and then you get a freshman Stearns and a freshman Foster and these type of guys you back get there. Johnson running a four four three, and, and you're, you're like, able oh, to cool, all right. Well, we can build around really these skills, and go. then you do the same thing here. That that's what we just love, like the reloading aspect. It really seems to be coming that like we started this conversation, talented depth. If you can have that, the luxury and what you can just do, the yeah. multiple. Multiplicity, it's just everywhere. So here's the question. If you if your best because we agree the deepest position right now is safety. Right. Right. And you're gonna end up getting Brandon Jones and Caden Stearns. You're gonna have BJ Foster, who's playing your nickel, but he's also a safety. Hell man, I even like the way DeMarvio and Overshawn looked in the game. And then Chris Brown Chris Brown has earned playing time. Chris Brown did yeah. Tarlando says it's the best spring that he's had. Yeah. And and Tom Herman says he's a vocal leader out there. Like he's the one and he looked like he was playing confident. He he, his body language is different, you know what I mean, from what I've seen. He, he's a guy that's playing with some swagger. So you've got five safeties potentially that could end up getting playing time. And you just brought it up. Hell, Indiana, and, and, and you know, Bill Belichick is a genius off, you know, defensively, right? Bill Belichick is the one that came up with the big nickel. Uh, big nickel basically is the nickel package, but instead of a cornerback playing your nickel back, a guy that can cover, it's more safety. All right, it's it's a it's a package that is built on being able to defend the tight end or the run game, be able to blitz, give you more versatility. So the, Bill Belichick in the I want to say the the game versus uh, Kansas City, mm-hmm. um, the uh, Kansas City in the um, the AFC title game, they played big nickel or quarters. So three safeties on the field or seven DBs overall um, or dime, which is mm-hmm. six DBs, 63% of the time. So 63% of the time they got three safeties on the field or they got six DBs or they got seven DBs. <laughs> Against the Philadelphia Eagles, they were in big nickel, three safeties. I want to say it was 63 out of 75 plays in the, in the Super Bowl mm-hmm. the two years ago. So Bill Belichick's already doing this. And Bill that's Belichick, in the NFL well, with real the big bodies, well, not, in the, three not in the Big 12. And that's what can B.J. Foster's going to end up Can I make a, a quick point being. on that, on, on Bill Belichick? Okay. You can take it back further than that because when Buffalo was running the Kagan offense with Jim Kelly, Super Bowl 25, oh, yeah. Belichick was the first one to defend it with that big nickel package. And, and take it back further than that, actually. Um, make sure I get my – I got the numbers here. Um, 
the Green Bay Packers, you know the boys are freak about watching DBs. The Green Bay Packers, when they won the Super Bowl in 1996, I believe it was, <laughs> right? Was that when they won the Super Bowl? They were using a three-they uh, were using a three-safety package back then with Mike Pryor, Leroy Butler, and Eugene Robinson. That's Parcells stole that from and, that. Yeah, and Bills, they, he's talking about 91 Bills yeah, versus so they, Giants. They used it too. So, I mean, it's – I mean – Depending on who used it and where it came from, I mean, I think Bill Belichick is the one that actually came up with it. But people have been stealing from it and using it for a long, long time. Right. Texas this year is definitely going to be in the big nickel probably most of the time because that's B.J. Foster. Definitely Basically with the three safeties on the field. I would say even start using what San Diego used with Adrian Phillips and start using the, the quarters package with, with seven DBs. I know you already like six DBs on the field, but you're at the point now where – Hell, four of your best 11 players might be safeties. And that's where at least experimenting with it. You know, maybe think about at least coming up with a package to put to flood the field with speed um, in that way and also put all your best players on the field at one time. Let me piggyback on that real quick, Rod. That what you just said is why I came out of the spring game feeling better about linebacker, and it has nothing to do with Deli Adaway or Caleb Johnson. I think at linebacker now. You've got one guy who you trust to be a really consistently good player yeah, in Jeffrey McCullough. He's a real deal. I like him inside. He's a real deal. And with some of their packages, some of their shifts, some of their calls, when Joseph Osai was lined up inside, he didn't look out of place. Hey, when they ran the wheel route on Joseph Osai with Jordan Whittington, and I was like, oh, no, and he he's ran done. With him? Hey, hey, I got to tell you, I, I was shocked that he ran with him. It was a beautiful throw, by the way. And Jordan Williamson should have caught it for a touchdown because it was over the shoulder, on the back shoulder. That was probably the best throw Sam had all day. Um, but, hey, Joseph Osai had excellent coverage. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't think he could work in space that well. You know what? He proved me wrong. So I love him. I think he's Sergio Kendall, basically, a Sergio Kendall starter kit. But if he can run in space like that, then maybe there's more to his game. But I, so I don't. So when you, when I look at linebacker, I think with McCulloch and Osai, you can do enough to get by if you've got bodies like Chris Brown, like Demarvion Overshone, that in a sub package, which can be your base package, you can get yeah. those guys on the field. Because honestly, you watch Demarvion Overshone, and yeah, we saw the hit he had on Casey Thompson around the goal line, which I'm sure somebody probably said something to him when he, hey, he laid up too. He, he was sitting there right. and put his arms yeah, up. Yeah. Like, he but just there made was such a good play, knowing where the ball carrier would be. He track. got there and they hit each other before he he wasn't he even trying to hit him. It's it just a, perfect. It's a beautiful drop. There were, there were a couple there. of yeah. times yeah. where he's tracking the ball and running to the ball. It's amazing. And I'm thinking, this guy. When you look at what Gary Johnson did at Rover, I'm thinking Demarvion Overshone would be. Perfect for that rover. He, he literally be. met him in the hole before yeah. the guy was in the hole. They, like they, that's why yeah. he hit him. Like they just that. gotta call it something else. They just gotta turn. I'm gonna tell you. It's basically this is what you tell Demarvion Overshawn. This is how you sell it to him. Tell him we're making a package for you. Yeah. This is your package. You are so unique. We need to figure out a way to use you. We gotta put you on the field. This is your package. And yes, it may put him at linebacker depth a lot of the times, but this hmm. is your package. You and know, call it something. You know who did that? Call the do package. His initials. D O. Whatever he's into. You know what I mean? Call it whatever. Whatever spirit animal he likes. Uh, the whatever the Bronco. The Overshone. It's the Overshone. Overshone. Yeah. Do you know who did that? Just convince him. Of I'll it. tell you who did that back, back in the day. Back in your day. Mike Stoops did that with Roy Williams. Yeah. Because Roy Williams didn't want to be a linebacker. All right, we're going to create this new position. We'll call it the Roy. We'll call it the Roy. He was just playing a linebacker death. The rest of y'all. You mean, yeah, you mean, oh, you mean a, you mean a line, no, 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 linebacker? No, 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 it's the Roy. No, it's the Roy position. The Roy, yeah. 
Oh, just dress it up, Todd Orlando. Dress it up. Because I've heard, like, he may not be willing to, you know, make that transition because he doesn't want to get – basically, he doesn't want to get typecast. Right. Right? He becomes a linebacker. Oh, that's going to only help you. 20 pounds on him. And he was like, oh, I thought I was a to Like, no, actually, you, you, are a line, you are starting linebacker right now. I was like, damn. You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't want that. And I totally understand it as a DB. So just just sell it to him differently. It's going to make him money in the end. There Tell you go. Him, that's how you sell it. how the NFL – get him film of – you know, uh, Derwin James and all these different guys of Honey Badger and all these different players playing at different depths at the NFL level and convince him, hey, this is how you make money in the league. The league is going to want you to be a safety that can do everything. Mm-hmm. You'll be that guy. It just shows you how much the game has changed. Where 10, yeah. year, ten years ago, DeMarvion Overstone, they would have said, oh, he's a tweener. I don't know where he fits. Now, he's, a he's the ultimate chess piece yeah, for he's a very, He no. used to be a tweener, which is a, was a negative thing. Because I remember when Tom Herman first came here, he described Brecken Hager like that. He was like, yeah, he's a tweener. You yeah, know what I mean? That's him. a negative thing. Like, I don't know what to do with him. And I literally remember him, I think a year and a half later, describing him as a hybrid. Like, even he made the transition because tweener is bad, but hybrid, hybrid means you're weaponized. Yeah. It's like you're, you're a mi- Terminator. You're a hybrid. We the media does you, these tricks right? all the time you, with yeah. things. A tweener is like, I don't know what the hell. Is. Throw him in the, in the bin with the rest of the tweeners. Mm. A hybrid? Give me oh, all your tweeners. This guy, he, yeah, exactly. He's locked in. He's a hybrid. You know what I mean? So it's all it is. And I agree. I think you got just, it's all about selling into the door. You can end up having a great package deal with DeMar. Think about this, man. Think about this for a second. Think about that dying package just right now. At corner with Jalen Green and Anthony Cook. Your safeties are or Brandon Deshaun Jones. Jameson. Huh? Or Deshaun Jameson. Or Deshaun Jameson. I do. I like the way he gets it, but I think Anthony Cook and Jalen Green are going to win the job. Because I think they're the ideal. I think, like you said, before we saw Anthony Jameson, or Deshaun Jameson, Anthony Jameson, Deshaun Jameson at, um, at corner, that he's a better nickel. He's a more natural nickel maybe than he is anything else. You know what I mean? Because he's a football player. Right. But nickel. I think, but for the reasons we talked about, you know, B.J. Foster putting him at the nickel, it puts him close to the line oh, of scrimmage, which is exactly where you want him. No, I agree, but that's why I think there's a chance, you know, Deshaun Jameson just won't see the field because of just the fit. You know what I mean? Like, B.J. Foster in the big nickel, Anthony Cook's the big technician corner that can lock down. Jalen Green is the NFL body lockdown corner you want, the Devontae Davis body, but way more skilled. Then you got Caden Stearns. Then you got Brandon Jones. That ain't going over. One of the best safety combos in the history of Texas football. And then you're throwing in Overshone in his own package there, whether it's the Joker or the Dime or whatever the hell else you want to call it. I mean, dude, that is a hell of a package right there. I mean, that's hard to mm-hmm. adjust to in a system where Todd where Orlando – he 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 basically builds everything off of the art of trying to disguise mm-hmm. things. He's the master of the art of confusion. What could you do with a BJ Foster who could blitz, who could also stuff the run, who could also uh, you know drop back in zone, who could also play man to man, and Demarvio and Overshawn who could do the same thing. That, that's scary. Yeah. That's and scary, man. Yeah, you're already talking about getting the best football players onto the field, and then we talked about last week how Orlando likes to use the DBs more than really any other coordinator at bringing them. So oh, break down the habit rates. You get you sent yeah, them to me. Yeah, Tell so the, yeah, if you look at rates. just well, two years ago, first year at Texas, it was 150% your average havoc brought by defensive backs, but 9.7% compared to the national average of 6.5. Is that like number two in the country yes. two years ago? Yeah. And then number five in the country last year coming at 9.2% in average was 6.6. So you're already bringing it a ton, and 
in theory, if you just think about this, like not only are you trying to get the best players or maybe just forcing the best players onto the field, then you're forcing on one extra piece that you can use as a, one of those have it great guys. Like instead of having five, you have six or six, right? you have seven. And the main thing is, is you're in a conference that doesn't overpower you, that you need speed and space that now with mobile quarterbacks is like your one flaw and DBs are the one yeah, type of thing that can semi-neutralize it. So literally, this may be a package that in the wrong matchup may get exploited once if the right Agreed. coach sees something. But Which that's why also the why the coaches yeah. would identify that probably and yeah. then take it up. But the thing is, is instead of coaching afraid and not letting that package go out there because of the fear of what could happen instead, and you see a lot more coaches now just say, no, let's run with it. Let's see how it goes. And until it gets beat. That's what we're going to run with, and it may never get beaten until it shows a weakness. Don't expect it to have a weakness. You have the deepest safety position in the country. Yeah. I mean. I've said that, and I, be- I right? not that DBs I really believe it before, but I think I've been de- proven. Yeah. Like, I, I, like, show me another one. When was the last time we were ever to say that in the history of DBU? Well, maybe like 05, like going back something like that. I don't even know if you can say it. I don't think they were that deep at safety. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know if you were that. Yeah. I don't know if you could ever, even even the history of DBU, the modern history that I know, say Texas is the deepest position, t- the deepest at cornerback or safety in the country. Like, it, it, you know what I mean? Your like, group I, and the 05 group are the only groups my, that were like up we at were that close national level. In 05. Oh, I would say maybe oh two we were close. Yeah, because in my I think at corner it was me, Nate. I want to say Cedric Griffin and Huff are. That's back where the there ignorance somewhere. of one hundred twenty you know other mean? schools. But and I'll Ross take that. Group. Was like signed, but he was still like working some stuff out. Like we were we were pretty deep back. You then. had a Dorian McCullough for yeah, a Dor- semester. You know what I mean? We were, we were pretty <laughs> deep like that. So you know what I mean? But think about that. So why waste it? And they're prodigies. They're they're five star guys. Like why waste it? I, Get I don't them on think the you field waste too, those right. safeties, man. Put those safeties on the field. I think you should be like Coach Aquino would always say: identify the best eleven football players you have on defense, and then build a defense around them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like then figure figure out the, the 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 packages and all that crap later. Hell, we're at the point now with Matt Patricia. He's now saying, man, three, four, and four, three terms are obsolete. Don't ask me about that crap anymore. <laughs> like, I, I, it doesn't I mean, matter anymore. Nobody nope. nobody nobody talks like that anymore. How long have we been saying that on this show? That we are done. You know what I mean? He's how like, long have we been obsolete. saying that on the show? Yeah, he's like, I'm running. He's like, I'm running nickel and I'm running dime. Mo- most of the damn time. Could ask me about three, four, and four, three. All right, when I have to do that, that's like goal line. And he literally had a little random meltdown about it. Mm-hmm. And go look it up. He called, he said they're obsolete now. Quit talking about that. Those labels are pointless. Those, they're yeah, pointless. You make yourself sound ignorant when you say, three, three, four, four, three. He's like, who told you to ask that question? <laughs> like, who, your grandmother told you to come ask that question? Mm-hmm. Are you watching football these days? So, yeah, I'm, I'm like, but Charlie Endelman, go. Go forth into the great unknown. You have the best group of safeties in the country. I'd put all of them on the damn field. Find that's, a way to put all of them on the field. That's why I just – it makes me want to pull this my This is hand. your shorted linebacker. Well, you have an excuse to do it. Yeah. yeah. No, it's perfect. It's like, oh, well, it's the best option. It <laughs> makes me pull want to pull out what little hair I have left when I hear people talk about, why didn't Todd Orlando go four down? Because you're a multiple defense. In the last two years, if he had a B-backer he trusted to be on the field, he would show more four-down looks. But 
He's not going to be. It's a, it's an it's an odd front in na- in base exactly. name only. Like most of the time, they're in a th- they're in a three man look. That's why he's recruiting four ins and nose tackles. He's not recruiting like three technique defensive tackles. Yeah, and it's three down. But you can also run four. You can run a four man front with three down. You act like three down. Oh, he can never run four man. No, no, he can. Here's why Joseph Asai on the outside. Mal- you have Malcolm Roach or Taquan Graham inside him, and then you can go with your Keandre Coburn. You can go with somebody outside that. You can still run three down with a four-man front. I think that's how Joseph Asai is going to end up anyway. I yeah. think ultimately you're going to have a front where is. and by the way, Keandre Coburn is your best D-tackle. That was the one point I was going to make. Woo! We've talked about it. You wow. know, Will, Will Bond gives you the experience, but we've said the upside is with Keandre Coburn wow. and Todd Orlando's even. When you hear Todd Orlando say stuff like, there's stuff, Will Bond, there's stuff that gives Will Bond an edge in terms of experience, but when Todd that Orlando is. says, but Coburn is explosive. He's 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 an athlete. Okay, that's where you're talking about. Yeah. Okay, that's where you're taking your defense. It's the difference between Chris Nelson and Puna Ford. We we can't say anything bad about the way Chris Nelson played last year, right? We can't. Mm. He was just good, rock solid piece in the middle. Mm-hmm. But what did Puna Ford do for that defense? Yeah, a guy who was fast twitched, a guy who could get after the quarterback. We, so guy went from undrafted free agent to starting in the NFL. No, the difference between Gerald Wilbon and Keandre Coburn, and nothing against Gerald Wilbon, it's the difference between Kelly Rowland and Beyonce. It really is. Like it's, it's, and nothing wrong with Kelly Rowland. She's great. She's fantastic, and she's really sexy. But uh, Beyonce is a game changer, and Keandre Coburn's a guy who's explosive enough and disruptive enough to be a problem on every play. At three hundred thirty pounds. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and you so on the first play of the game. Yeah. First play. <laughs> sorry, the spring game. He's a problem. I'm like, that's the first thing that jumped off the, the, the screen. And I was like, mm-hmm. holy hell, man, this was about Even the Joseph Asai sack, that is Keandre Coburn. Go back and watch it. It's Keandre Coburn being disruptive. He That's where my, that's why Puna was. Puna didn't get a lot of stats. A lot of people ate. They, they ate mm-hmm. and fed off Puna's disruptive Collapsed nature. Collapsed the pirates. Yeah, he, would just, he really would. He would just come in and just be such a force of nature and cause such chaos that speed around him, guys like Malik Jefferson and Gary Johnson, they would just clean up. Mm-hmm. And that's what you want. You want a guy that's so disruptive that they have to allocate two, two guys at him, but just so I'll know where he is and I'll know how to, to, to at least I'll know where he is on the defensive front. All right, so I know that he won't be in my quarterback's face, or he won't he won't reset the line of scrimmage two yards back. And that's like, the main so, thing right there. And then so that's why then that, then that's a numbers game. So it's like okay, this guy can get two guys in the line of scrimmage. Then that means at the closest Malcolm to Rose the ball or Taquan Graham is gonna get one on one blocking assignment. Oh, that's that. Then that's a problem for the offense. Uh, to, to so that's what it comes. Yeah. You got to get somebody that can advance a double team. That young man advance a double team. I like Jared Wilbon. He don't demand a double. To team. what you said earlier about the ability to you know play four down and three down and shift. Now that you got a guy, you got we see the potential of Keandre Coburn to be a disruptive nose, and, yeah. and we saw again in seventeen Puna Ford who was a disruptive nose. What that does to the rest of your D line. Now, if you've got Osai as your edge rusher, who I think if there's anybody on this defense with legit double digit sack type potential, natural pass, I, I, I think it's Joseph Osai. Yeah. And you've got Coburn, whether he's playing over the ball or he's shaded or whatever. Now you throw into Quan Graham and Malcolm Roach, and you even go to Moro Ojimo or Jacoby Jones. Now you've got multiple guys that they could go to different shades. Any. So you now you have the ability to be flexible. And even if you wanted to, depending on whatever blitz package you want to show, you know you know McCulloch's a natural pass rusher, and we see him yeah. growing into being a complete linebacker. I, I love and then you throw now. in those safeties, Rod. Now you talk about your blitz package. You've now. got – you can show a seven-man blitz, and if you're an <laughs> offensive coordinator, you're like, 
any of these guys can drop, any of them can rush. Yep. Like, what the hell do you do? Exactly. No, I'm with you. And, and we're not saying this Texas defense is going to be the 85 Bears, but no. we're showing you conceptually exactly. now that you're, you've got dynamic guys you that you've recruited three, and yeah, developed. Exactly. And this is the raw version you of it. You've got right. your four or five pieces <laughs> that you can count on. And I, listen, we haven't talked about Malcolm Roach. Well, I think also if you want to have a certain kind of NASCAR package if Keandre mm-hmm. Coburn is kind down. of a natural pass rusher, if you want, he's kind of just a rock of your ball that can that can penetrate and disrupt and get in the backfield. You can put Malcolm Roach at D tackle, and he's still a problem. Yeah, you know what I mean. Well, and, and that, that's the can, main thing about right, it. Being, you can have Joseph Asai on and and, and Keandre, uh, sorry, and then uh, Taquan Graham is your defensive ends rushing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can do a lot of different things, man, with the uh, the versatility they have on this defense. To have all those options in the middle, so being all just this whole conversation, like Texas. I mean, you had Malcolm Brown, but for like the past decade, it really haven't had that disruptive force in the middle of mm-hmm. a defensive line. When Puna came in. Yeah, Puna, and that Puna was, was great sort of you know thing to spawn out of oh, the first year of Orlando and that's what's just so good though though now if you could think about because think about uh, when you hear quarterbacks talk about situations like I remember Aaron Rodgers talk about how if you have a nose tackle that's just bearing down on you and you know that the guy closest to you from the opposing defense is the most fearful thing and it made me hearing him talk about I believe it was somebody for Detroit a couple years ago it reminded me of the Indomitian Sioux and whenever he was taking on Colt McCoy in that 09 Mm. Nebraska game and how if you can have your best defensive player, most disruptive player, be the player that's closest to the quarterback, the unquantifiable uh, value to have that just in the conscience of the quarterback in the defense. And if Texas can have one of those guys, just like we were saying how a lockdown corner helps, I mean, again, it sort of reminds me of what, like you said, Rob, whenever is your offense and y'all had the great ability to be two lockdown corners with you and Jammer and in the middle was a Casey Hampton. Yep. And that's that blueprint of chaos that you can rely. I mean, you can ride up. That. I'd be the best offensive minds in the world. If you give them two lockdown corners and the guy closest to the ball is going to be the most disruptive one to get there, that quarterback only has a tiny bit of time before he has to make a quick decision, and the pressure's on them the entire time throughout the game. And let's be honest about this with the defense of the spring game too, Rob. That defense from a – a mentality standpoint, a mindset standpoint, the way they attack the offense, that looked like a defense that got their heads handed to them by the coaches after getting rolled in that second scrimmage. Uh, probably so. No, no, it is. <laughs> like, hey, exactly. this is your chance to show everybody that you're – when the head coaches <clears throat> said, yeah, the offense won the two scrimmages and the second one, the second one was so bad they couldn't even name a defensive player of the scrimmage. This is your chance to end spring on a high note, and they did. And I think Jalen Green was probably the, the the epitome of that. We learned after the spring game that he was challenged personally by Tom Herman and Tarlando, be more physical, right? You <laughs> looked the part. I want you to be in physical corner. And, you know, he was on there knocking around guys in the spring game, and we found out later he was challenged, which is good. You want guys responding that way. And, of course, we know the win was a big part of this and everything. But, you know, I like – I'm with you. I like the way the defense responded. I think match right. I think, you know, maybe we start looking at the, that, you know, the blueprint. I always talk about the central nervous system, which is important because now you do have Keandre Coburn, Jeffrey McCulloch, and your safety. So you, you're pretty – you know, you're pretty sturdy and steady Stars. right there up the central you're nervous system. I, I, at least I have confidence in it. But having – I mean, if Anthony Cook and Jalen Green can also provide you with – Two guys that can actually, you know, confidently in the Big 12, 
Be Think expected. about the receivers they're playing up against. All right, be you know locked down, not locked down guys, but at least be able to play at a at an effective, competent level where you don't have to consistently provide them with help over the top. Just on, one center field guy, like you know what I mean. Then man, te- I can tell you right there, Texas wins the numbers advantage already mm-hmm. if Kendra Coburn can play as well as we saw him play in the spring game. Be Puna Ford, like uh, real quick, quick story about Puna Ford. Have you heard the story about him making the 49ers guy cry? <laughs> I heard saw something about okay, this. Okay, yeah, real quick, yeah, yeah. Well, real quick about this. I know we got to get to the offensive side of the ball. So um, this was tweeted out by uh, Duger Michael Sean. He said, "I may need to run this sports radio KJR interview back, but I'm pretty sure Seahawks D lineman Quentin Jefferson just low key revealed that rookie D tackle Puna Ford made someone on the 49ers O line cry during a game. The someone Dude is apparently Winston couldn't handle Puna in the trenches. Time to investigate." Um, the guy was Weston Richburg. He was the center at the time. And Quentin said, quote, I remember we were playing San Francisco. I hear the center literally like crying because he couldn't block Puna. There was nothing he could do. Puna was whooping him, he said. Puna had four run stops against the 49ers in Seattle. Then he had three tackles for loss in the rematch a few weeks later at San Fran. They don't know which game Puna allegedly mm-hmm. made Weston Richburg cry. But uh, that's one of the stories out there about Puma. He's already got the legend growing with uh, about him in the NFL. You can get yourself some good yeah. intel there, considering the head coach too. Yeah, you know I've only they, heard yeah. I've only heard of that happening two other times. Come on now. Lauren Richburg's from Bushland, Texas. One. Oh, he's from Texas. Yeah. Oh, we probably did make him cry. He probably talked trash. <laughs> One was at the Under Armour game, and I believe it was Dominique Easley, who had a lot of injuries of Florida, and I still think was like a second round pick. Yeah. Um, he made somebody cry during that under the week of Under Armour practices. Nice. And the only other guy I've heard of doing it. Was Casey Hampton, and it's the oh, best. It's the best Casey Hampton Casey story. Hampton it was cry. the back when the when the coach association had the All Star game, which they had to end a few years ago. Casey Hampton goes out because they give you a watch or something before the game, right? <laughs> and Casey Hampton goes out and like he's got this gut and he's kind of what everybody's like. Look, that's Casey Hampton. That's this guy everybody's been talking about. Look how out of shape he's. And there was this guy across from, him, and Casey Hampton was just so dominant he made the poor kid cry. I believe it. No, I believe that, yeah. Everyone's laughing at him before the game. They were not laughing when that thing was over. Yeah, we all know here. And, and actually, I would cry if I, I had to go against Casey Hampton. Ironically, Tom Herman said uh, two of the three best D tackles he's ever seen up close and personal, Casey Hampton, Puna Ford. The other will be drafted in the top ten. Probably. Some of them, we believe top ten of the NFL drafting at Oliver. <laughs> yeah. So – He's like he said, nose tackles, I believe, was yeah. his specific term. Yeah. Ed Oliver actually might end up playing outside linebacker. That's how, <laughs> that's how freaky she like, is. Don't, don't. Quit giving him labels. He'll play all yeah. seven of the Go ahead and go. say it, Matt. Go, who, who, who size-wise, if Ed Oliver played linebacker, who would he compare to? Oh, what, Aaron Donald? No, no, no. Who would he compare to? Oh, I pulled it up. Oh, it's, another, it's another week for you to make this obscure Pittsburgh Steelers reference. Yes. Oh, LeVon Kirkland? Yeah, Thank little you. fat boy. But well, the thing is, is the skill sets between LeVon Kirkland and Aaron Donald are very different. This is very true. <laughs> yeah. That's what makes no, Aaron Donald such but a freak. But that's why Ed Oliver is such a freak. Yes. He could be yes. he could be a that starter pick for Aaron Donald or he could all right, you know what, I'll just turn into the we modern have, day LeVon Kirkland. Yes. I mean, what the hell? We should have a versatile defensive wow. front guys conversation 
every week just because I want to put that Seriously. Levon Kirkland ball on the tee for right? Matt and just let, let him, him yank, yank that hey, thing down the but, fairway. Hey, but that's who brought it up was right Vrabel because Vrabel was a defensive lineman that switched to outside linebacker. It's stuff like that's happening. And in we the said league. Teddy Bruschi mm-hmm. did the same thing. Bruschi, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh, is, as we transition talking about the offense, Rod, I want to pick up something you were talking about on defense just in terms of depth. And we talk about the corners. This is how I feel about the, the – the, first off, I'm shoving all my chips to the middle of the table on Yancey McKnight. I'm all in on Yancey McKnight he, in terms seems of what to be the he real does deal. in terms of player development. Yeah. And you look at Max last few years when, you know, after 5-7 and seven in 2010 when it started to trend downward and through Charlie's time – it seemed like we were always sitting here in the offseason saying, man, I hope this guy is good. I hope the position yeah. A, B, or C works out. I he's, hope He's I highly hope. touted coming in. We'll see. But yeah. now you see enough flashes, and I'm a believer enough in Yancey McKnight that it's almost like the tone of the conversation is now, well, look, they're going to turn the corner at some point. We just don't know when. I agree with that. When you talk about the whether it's the young corners or Keandre yeah. Coburn, like they're going to be elite level players. We just don't know when they're going to take that turn because we don't have any other reason. We don't have any reason to believe otherwise because the trend for all the players, which is, and I'll say this: I went back and looked at it. U of H, specifically on the defensive side of the ball, under Tom Herman, and as Tom Herman is head coach in the hierarchy of Yancey McKnight as his consigliere hmm. and uh, Todd Orlando, and then you know the guy, the players get better. Mm-hmm. Their production improves, and their 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 prospects improves. Meaning their NFL draft grades or their you know their their uh, their draft capital in, increases. Um, so I mean, I, and I I kind of tracked it back to U of H. I mean, you can still go do it because anybody but four years. But think about it, man. Everybody under Todd Orlando, and then I'll say Yancey McKnight, and then Tom Herman. We've seen them get better. We haven't seen a lot of guys who have underachieved once they have bought into this culture, right? right. Think, who who are the guys who have, like, been the stories like, ah, I thought he was going to do better with Tom Herman then, but he hasn't. Well, no. the, the, right? only, the only guys that do take a step back, it's because they lost their job to a better guy. You know what I mean? I'm well, trying to think, yeah, you know? I'm trying to think of because everybody, listen, the, the, the little Jordan Humphrey stories and the, you know, the Houghton Hill stories and, the you know, the every, Chris Boyd, so we seem to see the best football out of the the players they inherit once they come in and they get a mm-hmm. chance to develop them, so I can't wait to see what the guys they actually have handpicked because right. they haven't even do. got to see those. Yeah, because we haven't seen Tom Herman get to do that ever, and we haven't seen Todd Orlando get to do it since uh, UConn, and we haven't seen it at Texas and we since it 2010 U- because yeah. we've had the same thing happening recycling exactly. here. And Herman has Herman yeah. has always recycled, and then to add on to what you're saying, not only has he gotten heightened production from the say inherited players or the players that he starts to groom. In addition to that, at every stop he's done or been at, he's got players to accomplish things that that school's never accomplished. The way we said, like at yeah. UConn had never yeah. had a D lineman drafted; they get two drafted immediately yeah. after Orlando. You never get five stars to go to Houston. You get the best D lineman in the nation and one of the yeah. best talents of the generation to come out. Now you're at Texas, so like you're talking about him doing stuff that's never been seen before and getting that type of success on top of yeah. just developing whatever leftovers were left for you. Yeah, no reason to believe otherwise, man. What Tom Herman has done, and as we go to the offense, what Tom Herman has done and what he's in the process of doing with Todd Orlando, with Yancey McKnight, with everything they've got in place, they are allowing Texas to shed the label that, Rod, even going back to your day, this was said about some guys. Man, guys go to Texas and they just don't get that much better. 
Oh, that wasn't just man. That was remember Garrett Wilson, the wide receiver. Yeah, remember when he went to no. Ohio State? What he mm. say? Man, honestly, guys, a lot of good players have gone to Texas, yeah. and I don't hear from. I'm paraphrasing. I don't hear from him again. And that's why he went to Ohio State. Mm. So that wasn't just that wasn't just in Rod B's day. Hell, that was just yesterday. Right. It's, <laughs> it's, but I'm saying it's been a long time that no, Texas has had that label. People, no, no, I'm, I'm agreeing and, with you. I'm just right. saying, yeah, it's it's more recent too. And I remember at, when Charlie Strong took the job, and I got this confirmed. There was a guy who was. I won't go into too many details because it'll give away who it is, but Charlie said there was a guy that he was trying to recruit that he coveted when he got the Texas job. He went to visit with the young man, and the young man said, I'm not going to consider Texas because I see a lot of guys that play my position go there. They don't get any better. There you go. And Charlie said that was kind of a, you know, uh, kind of gut punch to him to show that was him on the offense. Yeah, he was like, ball? wait, I went to was Texas because I thought was I was going to get it. Was it, an offense it was a guy on defense. It was on defense? Yeah. I got to tell you, I, I don't know if that, de- that that label may have come from the offense side of the ball, and I think it's fair because we've done the research on right. undrafted free agents and guys being underdeveloped. May- I think it's unfair on the defensive side of the ball. But it was just a program I think it just, I think it just can't, yeah, I think it just spread to defense, yeah. but it's not necessarily no. correct. In that they didn't look at the micro. It was just more okay. Even when Texas down, they're still drafting for getting first round draft picks on defense. Don't look at that mm-hmm. twenty ten defense. Yeah, you know what I mean. So anyway, but, I got you. I got so you. you go to the offense, and I know we're gonna have to pick up this conversation next week talking about the offense wrapping up spring. But the one thing that I really came away feeling good about with the offense, well, there's two things. One, I think just in general the running game. Right, even though you know Jordan Whittington's nineteen yard run was oh, the only explosive play. I love me some Jordan Whittington. Uh, I I'm feeling good about where the running game is headed. I like the trajectory oh, it's on. It's gonna be great. Well, and Sam's gonna be a big gonna part say, of it, which be, she yeah, can't even. You got, use a, you got that. a holy trinity at running back now. Mm-hmm. And that's just one guy. When, when you back talk, up quarterbacks pretty quick too. When you talk about the offensive line, just the talent you've got there and the ability you've got to and we haven't seen Parker Braun yet. Parker Braun's gonna get here from Georgia Tech. Sounds boost. like an offensive lineman. Yeah. The Parker fact Braun. that the, true, the like fact that. that essentially Derek Derek Kerstetter's your he's your wild card he's man. Your, you could plug him Swiss in. Army knife. Another wherever. offensive lineman. Name. Whoever's screwing up, whoever's the weak link, I can put Kerstetter there. <laughs> yeah. And I and I think on that on that number one line right now, I think Denzel Okafor is probably five of five in terms of the next guy that could probably get replaced. Because maybe mm, one of the most underreported things is Talented the fact death. that Junior Agalau just beat Tope Amade out for that number one left guard job. Mm. I mean, it was kind of yeah, one of those things that was gradually building, somebody... gradually building, and then boom, Junior Agalau was with the number one line okay. by the end of the spring. If, say, somebody yeah. doesn't lose a job from being crappy, they lose a job because somebody behind them he, is he just performing very well. Upgrades. Junior Agalau is the reason why I'm feeling good about the run game because he's. I think he's got, you know, we always, ever since Casey Stoddard left, like it, it, you're always looking for that that Casey Stoddard, Lyle Senline level of nasty, just a guy. I heard Parker just, Braun's that. Parker Braun is that. I've heard he's that Casey Stoddard nasty. Junior Angelo is that too. Yeah, okay. Well, ooh, so you're saying we needed more bearded white uh, guys. Yeah, yeah. Do you want, <laughs> hey, I'm going to lie. I love bearded white I saw a bearded, bearded white, white guy, guy and I go recruit off his line and he's got a little All the way back here, Whitworth like, with the Rams mm-hmm. is like a 40-year-old bearded, bearded guy. guy. Love I, it. Just I remember, yeah. I remember Travis talking. Travis Frederick, bearded white guy. <laughs> give him to me. I remember talking <laughs> to Junior Angelo at the at the Army at the Army Bowl. Need some grizzle. It's the All-American Bowl now, but it was the Army Bowl when he was there. And he was kind of getting frustrated on pass protection. And he's like, because he played, I think, in like a slot tier or wing T offense in high school. He's like, man, I'm just used to just just mauling guys, just driving them backwards. He's like, this pass protection thing. He's like, I'm trying to learn it. I'm like, I'm like if you can maul guys, I'm going to trust me. The other stuff, you'll, yeah. you'll figure it out. Yeah, but most linemen, yeah. most old linemen that I know, they hate pass protection and they love run 
run blocking. So I just think the, the fact that now you've got some just some of that with Parker Braun with Junior Angelo, you're going to have some of that nasty. Some road graders. Yeah, some guys that can put defenders on the ground. Yeah. That's what you want. Yeah, that's a clear road for a running back. And I ain't got a juke. No, he's on the ground. And we saw <laughs> we saw last year Sam Sam Cosme's got some of that nasty in him. He's got some of that in him. So I just between the athleticism, the attitude, man, and between Herb Hand, I haven't and Herb Hand's got a lot to do with it. Rod, right. I I have not felt this good about the Texas offensive line in a long time. Even that 2013 offensive line, because there were so many other issues we were talking about with the program at that time. I like I said, I've not felt this good probably really since that. Honestly, since that. Stuttered sin line, Blaylock group. I haven't felt this good about the offensive line and where it's Which makes me feel so good because you know your offensive line and love offensive line, and you are not one to give lofty compliments of offensive lines. So if you're saying that, I will just take your word for it. it it's a, that it's, makes me feel good. It's about a work it. in progress because we know that unit more than any other on a football field. It's about camaraderie and teamwork and, and working together and, and guys. It's it's five guys that have to be one well-oiled yeah. machine. So that's that process is going to take some time, especially when Sparkle Braun gets units here. is what you basically end up looking. You're trying right, to look at your three together. best units, and that's why Kurt Stutter to me is the MVP of that line because right. in those three units, you know, you can it's deal, like basketball and Iguodala is yeah, that version. You can deal with a lot of injuries. He's the one guy you cannot afford to get injured. It's like Elijah Rodriguez last year, you know what I mean? Even if your starting center goes down, Oh, uh, Elijah Rodriguez, um, boom, I'll put you at center for a little while till we can deal with Sack Shackle for coming back. Oh, I'll put you at guard. I'll put you wherever I need to. He's so the rug that ties in, the room In the together. first unit, exactly. First unit, what is he? <laughs> Second unit, what is he? Third unit, what is he? And try to find another guy that can also play multiple roles on the line. We know Herb Hand values that. So I think he's just trying to look for his three best units. Some people are like, oh, you know, why are they going with this group on the second string O-line? I'm like, well, they're just looking for specific things and seeing if certain guys can work with, you know, work with certain, you know, groups and work with certain players a little bit better in certain positions. Because you wouldn't yeah. think, man, but for offensive linemen, I mean, you if you're a left tackle, you might be – more comfortable with one guy at left exactly guard than somebody right. else. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah, no, no, it is. It's, it's, it's weird like that. Your like, weakness this, be covered by yeah, somebody else's strength. Yeah, this guy's great when when certain certain uh, when so and so is at guard, he's an awesome right tackle. But when another player is at guard, he's a terrible right tackle. Like what the hell is that? You almost got to find. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That continuity, that little chemistry that you have on the sure. O line. It's really weird. And depending on the technique, right? Some guy this guy has a terrible uh you know, he has a he has a terrible whatever, certain first step or whatever, and it it impedes the tackles technique. Like there's all the and Herb Hand, he's paid a lot of money to do that. That's all I never considered it because I t- I talked to an O lineman and you know this. But like that can all disrupt an O line, you know what I mean? The entire unit because one guy's footwork is bad. Yeah. So it throws off there. You know what I mean? It's, it's crazy, like, but so it's he's, true. Oh, so the tackle is compensating for the guard's bad footwork or his bad first step. So he oversteps, and I mean, I'm like, what really? It's like a dance routine almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so weird the way That's, it works out. You know, I know every group, Rod DBs, you do drills and receivers yeah, yeah. do drills. I, I think quarterbacks included. I think drill work for offensive linemen is the most important part of practice. Because the, because the footwork is so close together. Yeah. Nobody else has to deal with a, dan- a dance like that, with nah. footwork so close together. I, nobody else has to deal with that in terms of navigating. Not uh, only that, then when 300 pounds are bearing down on you and yeah. continuing to have that same footwork. Yeah, right there. so I, I, I agree. I, I mean, you won't know everything, but I agree with you. Now that you have three pieces that you trust, Cosme at tackle, you know Kerstetter, you got Zach Shackford, who even if he's not – at performing at a high level, he's a veteran. He's been there, done that. It's not anything he's not haven't hadn't seen already. And then you're bringing in reinforcements uh, for you know for training camp and for fall practice. 
I, I'm with you. I, I really think the offensive line could be just as good as last year, if not better than last year. We'll talk about receivers and running back next week, but I want to make this point on O-line to close it out, and we'll pick up the O-line conversation next week also. Next week we'll talk about draft and some other stuff because uh, the draft is next week. By it's the crazy, way. yeah. yeah it's, again, something that snuck yeah, up on great. us. But when you, you, you hear offensive line coaches talk all the time, well, we want to be like, we need, we need eight guys deep. And there's been some years around here, Rod, where I'm like, Man, quit talking about eight. Can you find five? Can you find three? Can, can you that just <laughs> can you find like do you have do you have enough to to have an offensive line where you have yeah. a starting caliber player at every position? There's, there's been some years around here where you haven't had that. Yeah, but take that take that starting five in the spring game, right? Cosme, Angulao, Shackelford, Kerstetter, Okafor. Okay, right. If yeah. you feel good, let's say Herb Han feels really good about those five. Okay, we'll say Tope Amadi is six, right? Because that was a competition with him and Aguilar. Maybe we get to camp and maybe Tope has a great summer. Yeah. Junior does it. And maybe Tope's back active. there with yeah, the ones knows, yeah. to start camp, right? So that's six. Christian Jones, who had the ankle injury, I think they wanted to get a better look at him, but they really like what he's done. He was a talk of Sugar Bowl practices. So let's say Christian Jones is seven and Parker Braun's eight. There you go. You, those eight guys, you legitimately – Legitimately, the Texas offensive line could be eight guys deep with starting caliber players. And then within, once you find your eight guys, all right, now let me find my two guys who have some versatility. I know I got Kerstetter. Who's my switch tackle? Is that Okafer? Like who's it? You know, I mean, who's the guy that? <laughs> all can, you need is a switch tackle. All you need is a switch guard. tackle, and you need, I think, your your Swiss Army knife and your switch tackle within that group. You find those two guys, that manufactures you basically two more spots. You almost end up ten deep on the old so line. So really, you only need to really be seven deep. Really, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, man, if you can, yeah, the more the better. The more I mean, yeah, any offensive line coach isn't going to turn down. Yeah, you know, exactly. you know, well, no, if, if you got ten guys yeah, you trust yeah, to put I'll, in the game, I'll well, I'll hell, now you're cooking with peanut oil. You're talking about like Alabama type problems. Yeah, Damn, exactly. we, we don't have we don't have a we, we got a hole on that number three offensive line. That's well, you get to add hell, your first two groups could start anywhere in the country. And you get those units if you have eight, you can then see well, you know, these guys work really well in this situation and in this matchup, can you know. It can work for you if you say you're facing a team that's more stout against a run, or if say a team with a good pass rush. So maybe from one, that'd be only a luxury to get to the point where you have multiple options to go to at line. But you see in the modern game more subbing of linemen than you did ever before. And if Texas can get to that point to have that depth, like you talking about how well the five individual players work together makes the offensive line. It sort of reminds me of how coaches put together starting fives or basketball. Basketball because you can go and take yeah. five individual That's great true. all-stars yeah. and put them out there, and they might not perform that well because they don't work that well together. But if one guy can't pull or one guy isn't necessarily great in pass blocking or whatever, those strengths and weaknesses can be amplified the same way that if, like in saying basketball, you have a good passing big, well, now you don't need to have your – point guard facilitate mm-hmm. the offense you need them to be good three-point shooters to yeah. shoot from the outside so you can find people and it's the same idea it's just the best parallel i can think of of five individuals that it doesn't matter if individually you're all good it all matters how well those five skill sets fit together and then on the offensive line if you can identify that then that's how you get a good line and tight end depth helps too fellas with oh yeah offensive line help mass also good yeah there was there was a run play kurt johnson had with that number two group where they were lined up. There was they ran eleven personnel the whole scrimmage. I don't I don't remember. Actually, they changed up one time. Did they? Okay, and I, it was I've the best part of the attention. scrimmage. Um, yeah, but I saw them go eleven personnel. It was they were eleven personnel. They were eleven personnel most of the time. It yeah. was kind of like that. It was that look where Reese Lato's almost lined up like a fullback. 
right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And in the backfield. He seals the backside, and then you see Reese Moore and Tope Amade pull around and seal the right side, and yes. Kirk Johnson has a nice little run. Yeah. Stuff like that, or that that gets my that gets my football pants excited when I start seeing <laughs> yeah. really good like counteraction and sweeps. And, and, and they stuff didn't like give that. us a lot. And I know we gotta get out of here, so I'm gonna make this quick. I, they didn't give us a lot, but they did run mostly their personnel, but they did. Go look at it. I believe it's the last offensive drive of the first half in the second quarter. They run twenty one personnel. And it's really interesting the way they did it because I swear to God, Tom Herman and I think it along the same lines. They run 21 personnel. First play, they run like a little uh, flare route or a little uh, quick dump pass or quick screen to Jordan Whittington. I think it ends up being an incomplete pass. And the second one is something similar, um, you know, a similar concept. I threw some misdirection, and then they throw it to Jordan Whittington. gets like a two-yard run. And the third one, and both of these are 21 personnel, two backs, one tight end. Two backs in the backfield, Sam Mellinger in the shotgun, split back with three wide receivers. The third play, third and eight, they go 21 personnel, two backs, Keontae Ingram and Jordan Whittington, and then they go empty. They motion Keontae Ingram out. Remember this play? This is Devin Duvernay's reception Mm -hmm. where he runs the drag route, all right, the crossing route, and then ends up with, I think, a 21-something-yard reception, 15 yards after the catch. The beauty of it was when they motioned Keontae Ingram out, they had Cade Brewer as the number three receiver close to the line of scrimmage uh, and closer to the line, I should say. And then they had Devin Duvernay offset on the line of scrimmage. They run a pick route, rub route, whatever, the, the defensive back can't get to Devin DuVernay. He has a free release underneath, and then boom, Ball. Sam hits him on the money. That is the only time schematically that we saw Tom Herman give us a little bit from what I'm heard, what, they, what they've been doing in practice. Because what they've been doing in practice, guys, they've been relying. This is why they've been getting a lot of big plays. They didn't get in the spring game because they didn't want to reveal much. Because it's all based on matchups. Remember what the New England Patriots did to crack the L.A. Rams defense in the Super Bowl? Mm -hmm. They went 21 personnel and 22 personnel out of empty formation, which nobody does, by the way, and they hadn't practiced either. And what they do, they found matchups with Gronk on the linebacker or Edelman on the linebacker or Burkhead on a Mm -hmm. a linebacker or safety, Mm -hmm. and that's what Texas wants to do. Picture 21 personnel. Keontae Ingram, Jordan Whittington, with Colin Johnson, Brew McCoy, and a flex Malcolm Epps. Somebody like, has like, to go be like, the like Dan linebacker. Buckner, right? Yeah. Think of Dan Buckner in 09. And then think about empty formation. Somebody's going to be matched up on a linebacker. One of those guys. Not, yeah, one of those guys. <laughs> I don't, care who I don't know who it is. Somebody's going to be matched up on a linebacker. Unless you have Texas' defense. You know what? And if they decide, you know what? They're going to go six or seven DBs. Then line up in 21 personnel, old Boom. school I formation, Boom. and just run it right down their throats. And you can have Malcolm Epps as your tight end to flex it, or you could have um, Kate Brewer as your tight end. You Either see Tom Herman, Herman's formula on both ends of the offense exactly. and the defense right yeah. there. And you can call it your big package. With that's Brew, a luxury Brew to have. McCoy as a Other wide teams receiver. don't have that personnel. I would say Brew McCoy at one wide receiver, Colin Johnson at a wide receiver, or Malcolm Epps. Cade Brewer at tight end. I mean, think about that. Mm-hmm. And the matchup nightmare will be with Jordan Whittington or yeah, Keontae Ingram in the backfield. It. I'm watching it right yep. now. Right? That, dude, about. that's the one. He, he gave us a little peek. That was the only like time. The little, the little flare to Whittington. Yeah, yeah, right? It's a little flare. They set it up, too. You can tell they're setting up that third play. And then, boom, I was like, that that reminds me of the New England Patriots and what they did. I'm telling you, Tom Herman watched that New England Patriots game the same way I did. Watched like, the whole NFL that, playoffs. That, that exactly. Like, <laughs> well, you know, but the, every, every football mind in the world watches the Super Bowl. Yeah. And he watched it and saw the same thing I did. 
dude, I can go 21 personnel in the Big 12. I'm the only one that can do it, me and Lincoln Riley, but I can get mismatches all across the board. Yeah. And all I got to do is go 21 personnel empty, and I have a one check. If you come out with four, three, three or four linebackers, <laughs> let's go back to our formation and run it right down their throats. Yep. If they come out in with you know three or four linebackers, sorry, three or four linebackers, you go spread formation. If they come out with six or seven DBs, then you run it down their throat. It's a simple, really a math problem. Yeah. And it's a simple one. It is, and that's why Leitau, ever, there's been so much excitement around him because like when you saw him as a prospect, it just sort of what you envisioned the football player Aaron Hernandez would be and why that team was so great and exactly like right. so uh, indefensible the, for yeah. that last year with Hernandez and Gronk together it was just absurd to watch exactly that what offense. he did I don't yeah. even know that Leto's the guy I'm excited about I saw him you know go on 11 personnel and shift to empty and their empty look mm-hmm. I think Epps is the number one I think Cade Brewer's the number two receiver and Brew McCoy's number three almost playing almost like a flex tight end look like in a, trips, in, a, in a trip <laughs> set and I'm like damn to have your tight end as your number two, he doesn't look out of place. I think that's what they've been doing in practice. I think yeah. that's why in practice they've been getting a lot of explosive plays. And in the game, they didn't want to reveal much of that. But if you look close enough, they revealed a little bit the of template. it. It's just matchups across the board, man. And it's personnel. So I wouldn't surprise if they try to figure out a way to do 22 personnel like the Patriots did and then try to have Malcolm Epps as a, as a flex tight end some of the time or even a Brew McCoy as that – you know, flex tight end. I say Dan Buckner. I remember when Greg Davis did it. Why not? Because Brew McCoy is on a linebacker is a matchup you can win. Oh, uh, mm. every time. Malcolm yes. Epps on a linebacker you can win. Good. I think, it, honestly, Jordan Winnington on a Corey Keontae Ingram on a linebacker. And you get any it's of like your guys on a linebacker. What type of mismatch do you want? <laughs> yeah. Do you want the <laughs> size mismatch, the yeah. speed? Like, that's oh, literally man. it. I think that's where he's going. That's awesome. We'll All right, we are out of time. We're going to have to shut it down. We're going to continue this conversation about the offense next week. Rod, you because, you know, I'm in the press box. I can't really pay attention all that much to what's going on. I, I know. Go back second That's why I don't like that press box. I'm going to have to go yeah. back and get a deep dive into the spring game. I've watched and, it three uh, times and broke it down. <laughs> I'm, I'm not watching it again. That's that be a, I, Then I would have a problem. But like you said, spring game, what can you take away? Little subtleties working, like man. that that lets yeah. you conceptualize exactly. certain things. Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rod, be appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 104.9, 1019, AM 1260, streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com, where you can get Rod B. on the Rodcast each and every weekday from 1 to 3. Shameless plug. Find us wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a review. Rate us. Five stars would be preferable, but go ahead and rate us. Uh, we appreciate the support, the downloads every week. Uh, you guys are awesome out there. And thanks to Matt, you can always find our archives on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Just type in Longhorn Blitz. For the Horn family, for the Horn's 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.